Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. Thanks for joining us today. And we are on with Aaron Scarborough. Yo. Aaron is a comedian from Kansas City. And uh, we have just recently met Matt, uh, my producer, you know, actually didn't introduce us, but just connected us. He said, you ought to check out Aaron. So I've never had a comedian on the podcast. Well, you picked a hell of a first one. And you, you <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so I've been, I've been, we connected, had coffee. I tried, tried to stalk you a little bit on Instagram and yeah. your, your podcast and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Thank you. If you're driving around with your kids, I don't know what topic is going to come up, but it might be R rated. I don't know. You might, might need to think about that, but, uh, I'm not sure what's going to come up. We're just going to talk. Neither am I. I can't promise <laughs> that uh, I, I make no promises. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So um, let's in, let's have you just do a quick introduction. You know, like where you grew up, where you're from, all that kind of sure kind of background. Um, so I grew up in Fairfax, Missouri, which is this tiny little town up in the northwest corner of the state. Um, I. Uh, I grew up there, went to college uh, 30 minutes from there in Maryville, Missouri. Um, I was an art major and uh, I got my art degree and then spent the next few years in call centers um, and working uh, in the dairy industry uh, briefly as well. And uh, now uh, I... Uh, I'm a self-employed uh, comedian and uh, painter as painter. well. Uh, and now I'm here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Fairfax, how many people live in Fairfax? Um, so- Is that the name of Fairfield? Fairfax. Fairfax, okay, uh -huh. Fair, Fairfax. Uh, it's a small town outside of St. Joe or something? Well, it's, it's about an hour uh, from St. Joe, but okay. yeah, it's- uh, um, it's like, it was like 600 people whenever I left. Um, and that was, uh, you know, what, 11 years ago or something. So, I, and. The current population is still Really? Okay, well. How big's the high school, your graduating class? Uh, 12, I had 12 in my graduating class. Were you class. the valedictorian? No, <laughs> no, but I made top five. There you um, go, that's impressive. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, when I went to Baylor, it's like every person I met was a valedictorian, uh -huh. and I was finally like, finally started going like, like, so how big was your class? <laughs> right, <laughs> eleven. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you you got to be uh, got to be careful of that. Um, yeah. So, what were your influences there? What talk, talk about small town Missouri and. <clears throat> How, what, what was that like growing up? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you want to get out of it? Um, I would say that I hated it uh, pretty definitively. Um, there were good moments uh, while I was watching Lord of the Rings, basically. But other than that, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that I had a... Uh, I, I, I wasn't stoked um, back then. You know, uh, but I uh, I grew up in uh, in the church, and by that I mean the Southern Baptist mm -hmm. tradition. I know that tradition. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. Um, but yeah, I uh, I I did that uh, for a long time. So was this like you like your parents took you to church regularly? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Like there Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night kind of. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the whole time, definitely Sunday school and then Sunday church, uh, most of the time Sunday evening church. And, you know, I'd say half the time Wednesday night church. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that turned into youth group. Uh, and then um, and then shortly after that, I stopped uh, playing ball. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Did you ever like it? The church? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I did, uh, or I, I thought that I did, you know, you just, mm -hmm. you, it's, it's just like everything else that's ingrained into you. Mm -hmm. Um, Christmas is fun. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I, I bought into it for sure. Uh, you know, until probably, I don't know, 18, 19. Um, so like you were, like you got saved? Southern, yes, when I was a kid. You're Southern uh, Baptist, you get baptized. Yes. You, you well, I had uh, I had nightmares all the time about going to hell. And, you know, in the Baptist church, they, they kind of remind you about hell uh, a lot. And uh, so I, I, uh, you know, I would have nightmares. I, I would, I was like, what if I die before I get baptized, you know, yeah. and, and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. But I was, I was when I was 14, 15, 16. I, I was doing a lot of recreational drugs. Uh huh. And you know, it was kind of didn't want to be going to church. Sure. But my parents were taking me to church, and uh, and I remember a prayer I had every night. If I was like stoned, I was like, I was like, Jesus, don't come back yet. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, it's horrifying. Because I watched this this movie that they showed in the youth group called Thief in the Night. Oh, really? And like the original Left Behind. Yeah, like it's the precursor to that. Uh huh. And it's like you, the rapture happens and all the Christians are gone. Right. And you're left behind. Sure. And it's not good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, that was the scariest thing in the world, just being <laughs> left by your parents. Um, and yeah, and I grew up with Left Behind as well. Yeah, um, the Kurt Did Cameron you see that movies. Up, Matt, the movie. Yeah, his dad was a Baptist pastor, so okay, he's a PK kid. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. And I was like, oh my God, it happened. And I, that was like the first panic attack ever. I lost it. I was like 10. Yeah. I don't so, know. So, you know, there is some trauma that can happen. Sure. It's not, uh, it's not <laughs> juicy trauma. Uh, no. Although I do have, you want to talk about, I, I do have an experience that kind of like this single event kind of, if I, if I could describe one event that, mm. that, uh, this is how I feel um, about myself and my relationship to the church. Um, so when I was 16, I would, uh, I was a skateboarder and I would go, I would drive out to Maryville where I went, uh, wound up going to school. Um, uh, I, I was allowed to go a couple times a week, a couple nights a week, and I would just skate until the sun went down where and then drive home. Uh, the skate park, mostly. Which one? Um, in Maryville, okay. it's yes. Gotcha. Uh, and I started talking to this girl, uh, and she was like, she was this little short, like she was Hawaiian, uh, and uh, she had blue hair, and uh, I, we started dating, you know. And uh, so in college, when you were at college no, now? this was when I was oh, in high, high school. school. Okay. So this was my this wound up being my first sexual experience. Okay, <laughs> um, and uh, I still had a bunch of religious guilt. She was uh, offering to do like a, a sexual uh, favor on me, and I there was this interesting like conversation because like I wanted to do it or whatever, but I was like. Uh, I felt horrible because, you know, in the Baptist church, you're taught that like, you're yeah. not supposed to do anything until you're married or whatever. Um, anyway, yeah. we started going at it. You're not supposed to not only do anything, you're not supposed to think about not it. Not even think about right. it. Right. <laughs> which is a, which is a real 
tragic. That's thing. a yeah. That's like, interesting. That's an interesting <laughs> challenge to give a teenage like boy. The, the stats on this are like if you, you know, how often do teenage boys, twenty-year-old boys, thirty-year-old, forty-year-old, sixty-year-old boys right. think about sex, and like it's it's pretty much every minute on the minute. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, sure. And think about like then. Okay, so this was, I, this is my shame based sexual ethic that I grew up with. Uh -huh. God made sex; it's good for you. And if you're in a heterosexual marriage, you can do it. Yeah. But if you're not in a heterosexual marriage, you can't do it. Right. And you can't think about it. Yes, that's exactly what. And yeah. I'm like, so how many people in the world, as long as Homo sapiens have been in existence. Did that ethic actually work for? No, there wouldn't. There wouldn't be anyone. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's just my. So, but it does create enormous shame about your own sexuality. It's like, yeah, holy crap, for sure. I can't even think about you, this stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm doomed to hell for sure now because I think about it all the time. Yeah. So, so here's your first experience with guilt, shame, and then this this hot chick. Is that, is that um, maybe we shouldn't say that, but anyway. Well, no, I mean, like in context, yes, we're talking about teenage Aaron. Like he was like, yes, this is a good, uh, you know, first experience. Um, but uh, in the middle of it, I was like, I felt too bad. And I was like, can we stop? I called it off. Now, the next day at school, I, of course, went around telling everyone who would listen, I got my first blowjob. Um, <clears throat> and that was whatever. I was bragging about it. And then at the end of the day, I had a, uh, the daughter of my youth pastor came up to me and she said, hey, um, I don't know what's going on. And I, in my mind, I was like, oh, you heard, you know, and, uh, uh, she was like, I don't know what's going on, but my dad got a voicemail from you last night that lasted like 10 minutes. And I don't know what was said on it, but I know he's about to contact your parents. <laughs> what? I had one of those slider phones. Like, you remember those little Motorola's? Yeah. I had one of those, and those were so easy to pocket dial, and I had my youth minister's number. Holy crap. I called him, and that whole exchange was on his voicemail. Oh so, my gosh. So, yeah, he wound up, uh, you know, my parents found out, and uh, so. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard a story like this. I know. That's like, crazy. Yeah, and so I that know. that could be your most crazy story. Well, it you didn't take place content, in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right. But, but yeah. Holy crud. So, yeah, I say that, I feel like that sums up, like, I don't know. Like, uh, that's such an extreme, in, in hindsight, I think that's such an extreme formative moment, especially with all the shame that I got from my parents. My dad uh, had cancer at the time and they were like, you're like, you're really pulling this shit now, you know? Uh, and uh, I, yeah, I, I, I think that considering what happened, like we're fortunate that I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh my goodness. So, um, so at 18 or 19, you head off to Maryville and did you have a specific in your brain? Like, like, I don't want to have anything to do with that Southern Baptist world. Was that like a conscious thing or did you just yes. kind of drift away from it? Was it so, more of a hard move away or a drift away? So the way I describe it is, um, you know, after because I was like, number one, they were ashamed of me, um, you know, uh, and number two, I was ashamed of me after that. So I was allowed, I still had to go to regular church, but I didn't have to go to youth group or Sunday school anymore. And I never talked to that guy again. Um, 
but in the back of my mind so that was that was around the time I, I started getting into punk rock and you know um i was very very into skateboarding my parents like tried to stifle that artistic side of me as much as possible oh. and uh so yeah i um i, I forgot the question already yeah, well we were just talking okay that's I, right so yeah but, i'm I, yeah we're just kind of getting some story we, yeah. By the way, Matt Matt was a skater quite yeah. a bit, and we ended up interviewing uh, Brian Sumner. Yeah. You know Brian? I uh, so I don't know him personally, but uh, I know who that is for sure. Yeah, big skater guy. Right. And he he is an evangelist now, mm -hmm. which was really interesting uh, interview that I did with him a few I months ago. I bet that would be interesting. Several months ago. Was he I, was he in here? No, well, he yeah, was in California. Okay. He still lives out yeah. in California, but it, it was fun. it was still fun, you know, because yeah. we talked. He grew up in Liverpool. You know, yeah, he was a Liverpool kid, and he was, I guess, one he of was the one of my favorites when rails I was guys when I was a kid, big yes. on the rails and all that. Absolutely, yeah. I thought he was so cool. Jeff Rowley also, uh, he's a, another. He's British, right? Uh, those, yeah, they were like the punk rock. Like, yeah, uh, I think they both skated for Vans. Right? It, um, they, they both had a thing with Vans. Brian moved to Airwalk. And then, right. Uh, yeah, they, they were all over the place. Uh, Brian was, he got big with uh, Birdhouse. He was in yeah. Birdhouse right, right. I remember, uh, yes, I, I, I do remember <laughs> that. that. I would probably have fun talking to him too. <laughs> it's fun, but he, but he, he can get really preachy really fast. Right. right. Um, you know he's he's got he's he does evangelism for a living now. right so it's it's kind of interesting so i was i was trying to you dodging it a yeah, little bit trying to keep him a little bit off of that you know <laughs> once when, again have me know. on at the same time <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> you need to yeah but. you need to have uh uh jesus and satan represented here you know <laughs> Well, am I the first Satanist that uh, that you've talked to well, on here? Let's see here. Um, I don't know if anybody's declared themselves that, right? You know, I never have either. Uh, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I but it sounds good in the moment. Uh, sure. Yep. I had one gal who's a a rapper here in town who is um, w would have called herself a. Uh, what what, is, what was the phrase she used, Matt? I mean, she 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 could have said witch, but yeah, wick, kind of she's a, wicked. voodoo and all yeah. of that kind of. But she grew up Presbyterian. Interesting. And Nicolette Page. She's really good. She started out in folk and then went to reggae and then now she's doing rap hip hop stuff. No way. And she does some great uh, meditation stuff as well for uh -huh. urban kids, city, you know core kids and stuff it's just really fascinating sure fun that i'm i bet so, that's an interesting person but yeah but at any rate um oh we we're just getting your story yeah so you got into the punk scene yeah skateboard scene and so you did like a hard exit away from the church scene well as much as i could um so my folks were uh uh very you know, when you were in the Baptist church, like it, like it was pretty dogmatic as far as like, what should a kid be exposed to in media? Um, <clears throat> you know, and my, my parents kind of tried to raise me, uh, uh, preventing me from getting a hold of, uh, you know, uh, media basically that they did not deem, uh, mm -hmm. um, non-offensive or, or whatever you want to call it and uh so they you know they encouraged a lot of like christian bookstore media although i i tried to get into like as i lay dying and under oath and stuff like that but they were so conservative about it they were like even if it is christian music uh the fact that these bands are screaming and like have dark themes we don't want you know wow we don't want you looking at that um yeah, so you can't do tooth and nail stuff. You can't do right. A Reliant K was fine. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I was like, 
the Lawrence band, yeah. I, well, yeah, but I was just like, man, they, I <clears throat> I want to listen to the heavy stuff. Everyone's going to think. I think Reliant K opened for uh, Yellow Card one time. I'm sure they did. There was lots kind of, of crossover. Kind of interesting, yeah. Um, that was, I mean, <laughs> the... I guess the the early 2000s that was a really good time for uh Christianity's uh relationship to capitalism you know um there was the there was a, a boom for them the Christian bookstores like mega churches coffee shops uh you know for you know tax exempt corporations basically uh those, and I think it's still a good time for them. Um, you well, know, or it, it definitely has been since Friday or whatever. So, yeah, so I'm just thinking about my audience right now and the, and the curve you just took with them. Oh, I didn't mean to. No, that's good. Whatever you guys think is right. No, this is good. So, uh, so I did, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, interview I did a few just a couple months ago with a guy named Brian McLaren who did a book called Do I Stay Christian? Okay. And the first part of part one of the book is no. Uh -huh. There's 10 chapters on all the reasons why you should leave Christianity. And then he does part two, yes, 10 chapters of why you should stay Christian, kind of all the best parts of Christianity through right. the years. But in, chat, in the first part, no, he does a critique of, you know, the religious right and capitalism. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so anyway, it's by so, the way, so there's some really, yeah, there's some really, that's an so, important distinction I want to make. I don't, um, I, I don't have an issue with the Christian tradition, like as a whole, I know that there are parts of it that, um, that I, I think are beautiful, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of where the draw, I draw the line. Cause like I came up in that stuff. Mm -hmm. I, uh, um, the Bush years, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I I don't I don't think that's good. I don't think it's good yeah. for culture. I think it's pretty evil. You know. Well, we took, you know, and I I grew up, you know, Republican, mm -hmm. you know, pro life, and would still be a registered Republican. Right. Um, but uh, you know, the the Iraq War was like, you know, one of the first things in. Like holy crud, what are we doing? You know, kind of a thing. Uh -huh. And I, you know, and that that started my critique. And I would, mm -hmm. I think, when people listen to me preach, they most of the time they couldn't tell if I was Republican or Democrat That's based good. on what message yeah. I was given in a particular day because right. I had a pretty strong uh, social justice platform, uh -huh. which you could have, you know, at times you could have thought, is Fred a pro-immigration? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is Fred? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is Fred like for universal health care? Uh, like, yeah. Uh -huh. That's kind of for the poor. Right. You know, because, you know. All. You know. So. Right. So then. So I started. You know. Uh, and then anyway, I, I I don't like to get super, but you you do. I and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I I like talking about, about it because yeah. Uh, I don't know. But golly, um, the craziness of the last four years, five years, January 6th, all, it's its nuts. Right. I'm like, this is crazy. This is- It's crazy, this is, this is like no matter how you look at it. That shit crazy. Yeah. And I don't, uh, yeah, so, whoa. Well, so you took kind of a, I, so you took a turn away from the church. You uh -huh. never really went back to it again. No. Okay. And, I'm just curious because I want to get to your com I want to get to your comedy career uh -huh. and talk about you know comedy for sure and the, that as a career. Uh -huh. um, but uh, and your national prayer breakfast yeah <laughs> podcast that you just started. I'm here to recently. recruit new fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm looking for prayer warriors. National prayer breakfast <laughs> is the name of your podcast, which I got to just find out about that too. But right. at any rate, um, yeah. So you took this hard turn away from the church. Did you mm -hmm. keep any part, like your, any kind of spiritual path at all? Well, it's impossible to. And, um, and how would you describe it? 
And then also, I wanted you to just briefly maybe mention about your uh, obsession with N.A. beers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, uh, you gave me 14 things to, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I need to talk about. So let's get started. Uh, no. Uh, so um, I believe the first part was just my spiritual journey. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, I would say, you know, uh, when I was um, when I was in college, I uh, I took <laughs> and you know, please don't throw up, but I took intro to philosophy, uh, and uh, you know, that was my first look into. Um, just other ways to look at the world, other perspectives uh, that don't come from a, a Christian tradition. Right. Um, and I started looking at things differently. I remember I had a philosophy professor who I liked a lot. Like I, I thought he was a cool dude, you know? Um, he was uh, he was like a, a leftist and you know i i was a leftist at that time i was like looking into noam chomsky and shit like that mm -hmm. and uh um he kind of explained to me why you don't have to um live your life worried that you're going to hell um and it made sense and i like that was an amazing feeling i still remember like after after he kind of made sense of that to me, just walking out and just thinking like the world is beautiful, mm. you know, I still remember it was like a, it was like an mm. autumn day and I was mm -hmm. like, this feels a lot better. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I'll be honest, I have since forgotten what he said. <laughs> but uh, it's, and I, I think it's like kind of telling that like, I've brought up like the concept of hell uh, already, like at least twice. Um, but that's the, that's where it all was for me. Mm -hmm. in, in Christianity, it was it was uh, it was about shame and um, fear. Mm -hmm. And now I look back and I'm like, well, that's that's to um, scare people into submission. Mm -hmm. um, and I I don't you know I I don't like that. Um, I will say that uh, you asked if I've brought any of that tradition and it's impossible to not, you mm -hmm. know, um, when that's a huge part of your life and people who aren't even raised Christian are, have Christian, uh, based, um, ethics and, and values and the lore is just a part of the culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the way I see it, though, like in, in the, it, the way that it still has a residual effect in my life, even though I'm um, I consider myself polar opposite of how I was raised. I still uh, am a sucker for um, certain aspects of church, uh, the community aspect of it. Um, you know, getting together with people that you would absolutely never hang out with outside of your house and just everyone, you know, it's, it's in theory, an egalitarian little society. Mm -hmm. It's not there for profit. It's there um, so that you can get fulfillment. You can help others in your community. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's beautiful. Um, and I still, I still feel that way. Like with my comedy and my artwork, like that's, that's all I want to do. Like, um, I, I want, uh, I want to make connections with people and just, uh, empathize with them. Uh, especially when things are hard, that's, it's high minded and egotistical to consider yourself something like that when you're a comedian, but for real, like you want to create community around yeah your, your work yeah. yeah i want yeah. i want to be appreciated but i also i want people to have a good time mm -hmm. you know um so i don't know i think that there's a christian like kind of aspect to that yeah yeah i think there is and i think you know when you grow up with these um metaphors and it shapes your 
brain and the stories in your brain mm-hmm. it's kind of like your it's kind of like your native language even if you learn french or german or something else down the line sure english is still kind of like your heart language mm-hmm. and like if, when you're raised from birth in a, in a particular stream of religious thought right well it could be hindu buddhist you know islam right every kid that's raised in a religious stream of thought it sure. shapes it shapes the stories and the metaphors in our brain absolutely and, and it becomes a, a lifelong filter of some sort that we try to you know change or work against but it's there it's right running you know whether it's whether we accept it or not or whether we agree with it or not or, or sometimes we transcend it sometimes we re reshape it tell mm-hmm. new stories with it that kind of thing i don't know anyway it's interesting for sure the brain is a is a story maker right uh-huh. it takes all these sensual information loads creates algorithms recognize recognizes patterns and then creates mm-hmm. stories we're story making people right so we are it's yeah. fascinating stuff mm-hmm. and it's fun when you can add a little comedy to it as well yeah so before we get to the comedy though let's talk about in in a beers in a beers what's your so i background like i i just hit three years of sobriety uh from alcohol (laughs) uh i've done some drugs but um only the best kind only the good yeah i mean like i I like the good ones yes um congratulations three years thank you i was waiting for that um no yeah it was uh I've almost got three years. Really? I don't have three years, but I'm right. cl- I'm getting close. Well, I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, I uh, so uh, for the most part, like I, I'm I'm just like a fatty at heart. I, I want to drink soda all the time, um, and I don't know, like when I, especially if I'm eating a meal, like I want some sugar to wash it down with, uh, and I'm I don't know, I'm trying to introduce. Uh, uh, you know, something different, uh, just so it's like a new experience or it's like remembering like the good parts of drinking, basically like there's good tasting beers and and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with drinking either. I don't think it's, it's just some of us can't, can't chill. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been doing uh hellraiser by, um, it's like some, what is it? It's some brewery in, in St. Louis. They have this beer called Hellraiser that's really good. Um, and then I'll, I'll even do the cheap one, like the uh, NA PBRs and stuff. That's that's good too. I'll do it. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Well, so comedy, how, how do you get into, how did you feel led to get into a comedy career? How did you feel? Was it a sense of just, how, how, and how long have you been doing that? Um, so July 3rd will be, which is this Sunday, will be uh, five years uh, of doing comedy. Wow. Um, I got into it, you know, when I first started going to uh, open mics, um, about a year before I ever went to an open mic, I was visiting a friend in Austin, Texas, and we went to this little comedy festival. Um, and I remember seeing some comedians perform. I thought they were really cool. Uh, and then the next day I was at a brewery and the same person that was performing was serving me beer. And I was like, wait a second. So comics are just down to earth people, you know? I made that connection for the first time in my life because I had never thought about that. I was like, I assume they go through like the normal avenues of show business or whatever. And it's like, so. Was this like the, I'm just curious because I'm not, I'm pretty naive about the comic, comedian crowd, but like did, so Joe Rogan I know is in Austin and then uh I knew he was a part of the, comedy club out in California. Right. And didn't hadn't he tried to kind of recreate that in Austin to some degree? Um yeah, he's still as far as I know, he's still working on it. Um Austin used to have a uh, a, a very well-respected club called Cap City. Um and I think 
Cap City, it's either coming back or it's back. Okay. Um, but Austin, because of its huge population, now they have room for like a few comedy clubs okay. if they want them, because mm -hmm. it's become like this this haven for, mm -hmm. for comedy. Um, but uh, your what was your question about Joe Rogan? Well, just I was just thinking he was trying to kind of recreate a comedy scene in Austin that was similar to the one that he was a part of in California. Yes. So the comedy store is the um, you know that's the club that's probably the most famous uh, comedy club in the world um, in L.A. Right? In L.A. Yeah. And. Uh, it's one of the, it's the type of club where because of its location and its prestige and just how much comedians love it mm -hmm. uh, and people love it, um, you can go there on any night and you will see you know likely some A list comedians just uh, hanging out um, you know going up on stage for ten minutes, uh, and he I I think that's what he's trying to do in mm -hmm. Austin. He's trying to create like a new. Uh, a new culture in Austin, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so you're there, you hear this guy, he's serving you a beer. Mm -hmm. You're like, huh. Yeah. So, and then in the back of my mind, I was like, I should get into it. And in the meantime, I started watching, I got way into uh, Mark Marin, um, who's a podcaster slash comic who um, I used to really like. Um, and then uh, Patton Oswald. Um, I also got very much into him. Uh, and then fast forward to like the following like year, like a year from then, uh, July 3rd, uh, I went to an open mic at this little place called Uptown Arts Bar. Um, and I went there without having ever been to a comedy open mic. I brought a bunch of my friends, you know, it was very cringy in hindsight. Um, and uh, I, wrote five minutes of material uh before and then i went up there and you know uh i did well because my friends were in the audience mm. and i thought i was like wow i have i have a gift i'm i'm ready or whatever and then i didn't have a good set for years after that mm. <laughs> like really like and that's the sh the the crappy thing about comedy is that there is no way um, when you start and you're just like in your twenties and you're just a dude who thinks he's funny and you go to open mics and you're just trying everything. You're trying to emulate, um, people you've seen, you're trying to be edgy, um, whatever. And, uh, yeah, it takes forever to get good at stand up. Mm. Um, and, I would say just, that I'm it's good trial now. And error, right? It You're is just literally testing things out on a crowd every it single really night. It really is. Yeah, you bomb. You go home feeling like shit. Yeah, like I, I just it's <laughs> terrible. And then you come back at it again. Yeah, again again. Um, but that was mixed in with my alcoholism. You know, I was also I would drink every night of the week, and I would be at a comedy open mic or a show every night of the week for a couple of years. Um. And I, I would say that I'm good now at comedy, but I am constantly, and it's the same way with painting, anything that I was doing like a month ago, I'm already like, ah, you're so much better than that now. Mm. You know, like. The growth um, curve is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't think I'm as funny as I'm going to be, but I've been doing it only five years, mm -hmm. so. Um, and I, I have just now like started getting like a following, you know, um, I, through those like Instagram reels, I've been trying to figure out the algorithm to like get people to watch my shit because when people do watch my shit, they follow me and they're like, this, uh, this is my guy, you know? And that's what I want. I want to build a community of that. Yeah. Um, what give, give your Instagram. Oh, uh, bad.aaron.scarborough uh, on Instagram mm -hmm. or just go to aaronscarborough.com as well. Yeah. Like that, that has everything on it. Excellent. But, yeah, you can catch, catch, uh, I've been watching some of your posts on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, I like it. Funny. Thank you. Thank you. Good. 
Yeah. So how um, is there the craft of writing comedy? Is that something you do alone in private? How, it's a combination and, of things. And like, do you keep like as the, as your day goes along? Do you have a way to like you think? I have a notepad in my phone. Yeah, and so you keep notes in your phone, and you just absolutely just log like little crazy ideas that come to your yeah. brain every day. So the more you do comedy, the more the better you get at recognizing like, oh, that would work. <laughs> uh, you know, because when you first start, you're just throwing shit out there and hoping it sticks. Like because you don't, you haven't figured out how to like, you haven't figured out timing or um, you know how to avoid um, making the audience like upset or, you know, because like it, uh, we've all been misunderstood by our body language or how we phrased something. I mean, just think about that under the pressure of like, you're supposed to make the audience laugh, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's not open for interpretation. It's like the goal is to make them laugh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, what I do, I write notes uh, in my phone and they're usually just a short phrase and it's something that like I can understand the premise and then I'll take that to either an open mic or I'll do it on a paid show. Like I'll try to sandwich it in between two jokes that I know will work. Um, I, I will sometimes like run it by a buddy of mine. Sometimes I'll tweet it like, just to see if it works, you know, like that. Um, and then, you know, you're constantly, even like sometimes like you'll be like performing and you're doing a joke that you've done hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it'll just occur to you, oh, I've been saying this wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why sometimes people get weird around that part. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like, problem solved. It's, I don't know, it's not very organized because it's not like, I don't try to go into writing with like an agenda, like I'm going to write three jokes today mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, I've never had a good joke that came from that type of attitude. Good jokes tend to come from just experiences and you think of something and you're like, oh, people could relate to this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Feels forced if you're, yeah. And is there, has there been any, uh, I'm just curious, like in terms of studying comedy, like have there been like any influences on you that like, oh, this, is it just watching a lot of comedians at work? Yeah. That, that influenced you? Was Is there books that you've read from comedians that mm -hmm. influenced you? Absolutely. Like what, what were some um, of the biggest influences? So, um, my favorite comedian uh, of all time is uh, Norm Macdonald. Okay. Um, and has been for years. Interesting, I, uh, yeah. Um, so Norm Macdonald, uh, it, there's things that you can learn from being a Norm Macdonald fan and mm -hmm. just watching him. Have you ever watched him yeah. on like Conan and stuff? I've like, oh, he's just- I think he's- Effortlessly, the, the, the deadpan thing is just so classic, you know. The th and people are always shocked, like, how does Norm get away with saying that? And <laughs> you can see, like, you know, in his eyes, like, he's not a malicious person. He's he knows he he has no one is better at knowing where the line is than Norm McDonald because mm. he would dance on it constantly. Yeah. Um, and line you, between offensive and funny. Right, yeah. yeah. And he also, um, something to learn from Norm is how, he he was a deeply flawed guy, terrible with money, uh, had gambling addictions, um, and, you know, just kind of, kind of a screw up in that way. Like, I mean, we don't think of him that way because we're like, he was on SNL and stuff, but um, he was constantly running out of money and gambling it away and stuff. <clears throat> but there's like, uh, when, you, when you watch Norm, he's someone that, 
like you can tell he's been through tough things like he's grounded he's down to earth and it's like what i'm saying that connection you make with a fast food worker uh i i just i don't know when you watch norm it's just like this guy fucking gets it mm. you know he he knows what's important and what's not mm. and he i don't know you can tell that he just has the most fun when you watch norm are you like man that guy's having no, fun i've like, always liked him like, he's he just makes you smile it's just like that guy uh, i've always uh the you know the comedians and i can't even come up with the names but that that i call it i don't know if deadpan's a good term for that sure just the way he yeah he definitely used deadpan you know lines that were just and it just i don't it's I don't know what it is about that style. Yeah. It just makes me, just the style itself sometimes makes me laugh. Yeah. He doesn't have to say anything. You know something? <laughs> He's also way smarter than he pretended to be. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, you can tell by like, his jokes are sometimes like they're street jokes or dad jokes or whatever, mm. but you're like, no, he's in on the joke. Like mm. when he says anything, you like, you know, he does these rambling long jokes that have to deal with a farmer and his three daughters or whatever. And you're just like, this is something like I've basically heard before, but he thinks that it's funny to do that. He thinks it's funny to waste people's time with mm -hmm. stupid details yeah. and stuff. He also, there's this one norm bit that, um, that uh, I, I'm not gonna like recite the whole thing to you, but, uh, I, it's my favorite joke of all time, first of all. Uh, and second of all, like I've talked to people who, I've talked to this guy who opened for Norm while he was working on this bit. And he said he walked the audience constantly, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on that tour. Mm -hmm. Like they got up and they're like, uh-uh, not doing it. <laughs> but he, it did, it wound up on one of his comedy albums. And uh, <clears throat> it's this joke where he starts out by talking about the news. Um, and he, he, he says that when I was a kid, the news was half an hour long. Uh, but now it's 24 hours long. Mm. It turns out back then they had it about right. There's, <laughs> there is a half an hour of news. Uh, and then he starts talking about how when people go missing, uh, when there's a story about a woman has vanished, um, he goes through that scenario and he's like, uh, he says something about how if if they sh if the camera shows the woods ever, you're like, oh no, <laughs> not the woods. <laughs> and then he goes from that into this bit, and this is where it gets dark. <laughs> he goes into this bit about what how uh, how he would murder a woman uh he, well he says uh, and i would never murder a woman in cold blood <laughs> you know and he's like i know i say that now but uh he he goes through this whole scenario where he's stalking a woman in this hypothetical mm -hmm. uh, stalking a woman paying attention to her habits and then he describes his crime and it, it it's it's perverse of course but it's it's the funniest joke i've ever heard yeah. like if you listen to it you're like i can't believe he pulled that off like and it worked yeah. it's good that's way it, it is it's amazing i there's such an art to it um, oh, i love it i had a guy in in my church that uh did uh oh you know this the what do they call it the comedy uh, club down the improv yeah. down that when, when it was in uh, uh, the River Key area, City Market area. Okay, you know they used to have a comedy uh, improv comedy really? thing, and he was he did stand up improv. No kidding. And then he would we we was we started doing comedy videos uh -huh. like Fred's Day Off, uh -huh. Pastor Fred's Day Off, but nice. just stupid. <laughs> stupid shit <laughs> yeah and he would write it for us and then no i would way. and then I'd, I'd i'd act right which i can't but it, but it was so cheesy that it was funny <laughs> right and he was such a he knew how to like he would get up on a 
he knew how to you know storyboard it yeah and for comment for comedy it was so fa it was so, i i just he had it there was an art form that he had or how to storyboard comedy it's, it was so fascinating it's crazy and before you do stand up you have no idea how intricate it is you know um yeah i'm sure that it, there's similarities with preaching like you know you have and to that's, learn to tell a tell a story to get a you know right you can fall flat and then oh yeah put people into stitches you know mm -hmm. um what what's one of you i, I grew up listening to cheech and chong which yeah. of course i couldn't have my i had to hide it from my my folks right but yes. uh, that was my favorite <laughs> stuff but what like what's one of your early uh let's just say one of your early jokes that you still love today that, that, that really worked <laughs> early joke that i still that, love that today you, that really worked like it was one that you were like oh wow this is a gym um and that you don't <laughs> mind redoing i mean i uh let me think so and this isn't this was like the first bit that i made that made any sense at all because i didn't know how to talk um and i'm not uh i don't stand behind this joke anymore really but uh but i used to have a joke about how um there's a strange hope when you have red hair and you're going bald at the same time because you get sad that you have red hair and you're like ah, it'll be gone soon and then you get sad that you're going bald and you're like dude it was red anyway who cares um so i mean that that's like i've been doing that joke since year one uh -huh. so um yeah i don't know it's well, dumb self-deprecation is always uh it's always a great if you know how to do it it is um i've definitely seen a lot of and every new comic like they're that's your first five minutes is just tearing yourself apart mm -hmm. um everyone does that do you think the british have a special gift for that uh i'm just curious i don't know if the british <laughs> uh i don't think the. i always wondered if they invented it i didn't it's self-deprecating humor seems well, like <clears throat> to be honest, Fred, I don't think the British uh, are particularly strong in self-reflection, but <laughs> they, they as could, a culture, uh, they could uh, they, they still have they a, could reciprocate. They that still thought, have a right? fucking queen. Come on, hey, reflect. Did you, did you watch her show that they they she just put on? Just uh, her the big stars queen let it off with no you know, i don't i'm not very much into royal royal culture that's well you know you get adam lambert to open up for you right <laughs> uh my parents love the you know old conservatives love royalty oh. you know they do they yeah what, what they're like know, that was what a simpler think about that was royalty? that was a simpler time when it was easier to beat the working class into submission or whatever um, isn't it an odd thing what the obsession that british still have with that even though it's very yeah it's yeah, their yeah, tradition yeah. Uh -huh. whatever they i don't know well and the, the americans seem to get get all stoked about it too well it made it i think having a king and queen like made sense uh probably back when you were an empire that hadn't uh crumbled um and everybody had one right yeah the british are are even less relevant than <laughs> than we let on oh my british friends out there we love you all right so hey what about <laughs> what about uh i'm so hey i love you too and i didn't mean any of that no no what about <laughs> so you're the progressive comedian of kansas city well, i didn't say that oh you did too no i, I didn't. heard you say that wait when when did i say did well, i say that maybe you were jest? stoned on your podcast and said it ah that doesn't sound like me uh which your podcast is national prayer breakfast yeah you guys i've been to it. many many times and helped sponsor like the middle east suite of the prayer breakfast <laughs> so i was set up some some oil deals curious about your yeah. choice of, of like isn't that copyright like, can you just grab you're the it? you're the pastor who knows people at raytheon <laughs> good god <laughs> i know people everywhere yeah i know you do <laughs> 
Yeah. So why did you pick National Prayer Breakfast as a name for your podcast? And uh, what talk about your progressive comedian streak? <laughs> um, so uh, my podcast, the National Prayer Breakfast, is uh, or actually, there's no the. I don't think it's National Prayer Breakfast. Uh, I uh, I do that with my girlfriend. Uh, we my girlfriend's a very funny person. Like, uh, you know, just on the fly, sometimes not meaning to be, she's hilarious. Um, and I, you know, I'm me. And uh, the two of us, we just have a podcast where we, um, we smoke a lot of weed. I will try to talk about the CIA and she will talk about hair and stuff. Um, it's very random. The reason why we called it National Prayer Breakfast, we wanted it to be a nod to people who know what the National Prayer Breakfast is. Um, so that being, you know, uh, leftists basically. Uh, I mean, and uh, of course I know that other people know what the National Prayer Breakfast is, but we're we're more interested in like the, um, the corruption that, goes on at the national prayer breakfast it's a sarcastic name um was that all the questions did i i like your progressive yeah i you, you i just so here's the thing with with that I understand that I come off sometimes like a mentally ill person when <laughs> when I talk about stuff like that. But I think that um, I I don't know. I, it's just kind of who I am. like. That's what I read. I read I, I read stuff like that. I like reading about Cold War politics um, and 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 war and and also covert operations and stuff like that. Um, and naturally that's kind of where my humor comes from. I like to, I like to, that's where I like to punch. I like to punch towards um, corporations, corporate elites, uh, you know, systems of power that are actually there. I think that it's gotten real too popular uh, in the past, um, you know, few years, uh, since the Trump years, um, the, you know, people say that uh, Republicans fear their base and Democrats uh, have contempt for their base. Um, and I, th I think that that's true. Uh, and I also think that that sort of like punching at MAGA people, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, um, I, I think Trump is like a borderline fascist, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that he has, I think that he has appealed to uh, working class people that feel completely disillusioned and betrayed by the Democratic Party. Um, so to me, it's a f more fun perspective and it's like, it's somewhat intentional. When I'm on stage, I, w I like to make fun of uh, liberal uh, you know, liberal ideology, liberal, um, uh, you know, establishment, uh, establishment liberals like Hillary Clinton, um, you know, Joe Biden, like these people, because that's, that's an effective, um, ground for comedy because like you will reach leftists who feel the same way, which I, I'm convinced that most of us out here, we all want free health care at this point. You know, we all want, uh, weed to be, uh, legalized federally. We all want the prisons to uh, at least, at the very least, go under enormous reform. Yeah, We all want that. Like, so that's the perspective that I try to push in my comedy mm -hmm. um, because it's it's not so much, I don't, I don't have any delusions about how I'm going to sway anybody, mm -hmm. but at least I can, you know, kind of have a community of people who like that you know, and yeah. laugh at it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, and it, it's always, you know, sometimes, sometimes um, comedy, uh, I don't know, comedy as at best, it's, 
it makes you laugh at yourself mm -hmm. makes you laugh at you know because you can go through some dark crap yeah but at some point you know even me like now i can in the right crowd with the right people i can make fun of myself this last three years that i've gone through yeah you know well people that have been through and pain have a good sense of humor oftentimes to, i think yeah and I, I had a friend one time he says you you're laugh or cry and sometimes you do both right right but but i in the in the long run i have to look back at my foibles and like okay uh -huh. you know i you know and just kind of have fun with myself and yeah fun at it's myself. the only uh, to me it's the only way to live you it's the only way to live yeah so uh and then and then my you know i think about my politics my my religion all of those things i've since i've gone through what i've gone through i literally have kind of rethought re-questioned doubted everything yeah rebuilding as well and mm -hmm. kind of you know charting off on some new territory but sure uh, but in the long run, um, I do want to laugh at it all, poke fun at myself. And I think, I think comedians help, help sometimes. If we can't laugh at our own self, yeah. and our, there's You're suffering wrong, <laughs> yeah. right? And even, I'm talking about even in like the institution, you know, I built a church. Right. It was a pretty big church. But if I can't poke fun at it, What's you know can't poke fun at myself, right? How I fell apart. So you know, many, all those so things. many people like can't have a fucking sense of humor about themselves, you yeah. know. You know, and about my former beliefs, my new belief. You know, I don't know. And it, yeah, it's just uh, so comedy helps me out a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's some therapy. It's therapeutic. It's so times. yeah. It's so good, and it will make you relate to and understand people that you would. Otherwise, you have no hope mm -hmm. of empathizing with or whatever. Like yeah. that, I don't know. It's it's so cool. Comedy, like comedians, can be like I. I have a friend who is just extreme polar opposite, like right wing libertarian. Um, you know, and he's a dear friend of mine. We disagree. I think he's, you know, wrong about stuff mm -hmm. in general but mm -hmm. we're both comics so mm -hmm. we just we have that connection so it's just like eh. yeah yeah we're both human we both suffer yeah well thanks for joining us here on spirituality adventures what what uh let's let's help people out if they want to go see you live in kansas city do they just go to your website yeah i would say go to the website um i don't know when did you say this is gonna drop this will drop in a week or two so okay not, it won't i noticed you have something coming up yeah saturday uh yeah, I've got. Uh, I wish I could. I might go try to go to that. But anyway. sh that that'll be a good show. Um, yeah, I, I would say just pay attention to uh, the website or just follow me on social media. Like there will be stuff there, and that way you can always find mm -hmm. my website and uh, you know get ticket links and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm working on a lot of stuff right now, and I. Uh, you know, I, I'm still a painter. I paint every day of my life. Um, you know, I'm going to go paint after this. So, and do you, do you sell your art mm -hmm. as well? And how do, yes. is that through your social media? Do you? Yeah. Um, so I do have, I have like a merch thing through Redbubble, but I don't really, I, I'm grateful for anything, you know, whenever, uh, uh, people support my artwork and that's what that's there for. If, you know, if you want to order, uh, you know, a, a print of a painting or, or whatever, um, that's, that's great. But the, what I, what I like to do most of all is just sell stuff from my Instagram. So I don't have to share the money with Redbubble cause they take most of it, you know, uh, when they handle the transaction and the production There's of it, all those in between people take it everybody's money everyone you drives well, me crazy that's that's how this economy works man there's <laughs> everyone is some version survive of, off a, of other people they're yeah, yeah they insert themselves like a property yeah. manager will yeah. insert themselves because a landlord's lazy and doesn't want to do anything they drive the price up and they still are yeah. pricks about me whenever i'm late on rent you know <laughs> uh, anyway but yeah just yeah so the podcast is on Spotify. Mm -hmm. uh, I, it's on like Google National, and uh, okay. uh, Amazon as well. I don't think we're on Apple, but Aaron Scarborough.com. Uh-huh. 
uh, your bad Aaron Scarborough on Yeah, Instagram. if you type in that, that'll come up. I mean, if you type in Aaron Scarborough, and, uh, it'll come up. And shows mostly in the Midwest, right? Uh, yeah, your, yeah. Most of your live For shows sure. are in the Midwest. As of right now, yeah. But I'm, um, you know, I did Colorado this year. Uh, I, I do stuff in Nebraska, Kansas, Arkansas. I, I want to come down to Texas. I want to do New York this year, California. It's like, uh, that's that's going to be coming very soon. Okay. So. All right. Well, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on Spirituality Adventures, and we'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using, and then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.